0: Thank you all for coming. Um, we're here today to talk, um, it feels like we're doing this now quarterly, or every couple of months. Um, we're here to talk about issues related to Rehoboth McKinley Christian Hospital. So my name is Connie Liu. I'm a local physician, a local community member, and um, a lot of you have been coming to these meetings. And so I think this is a good time for us to all get a little bit of an update about what's been going on in the last couple of months. And Um, Our focus here today is that we want to be solutions-oriented. So we recognize that there are big problems at the hospital. We'll give you the data that demonstrates what kind of a situation that we're in now. And our ask for you is that as the, you know, if you remember, we had a guest speaker back in December who said, you know, as long as the community is involved, as long as the community cares, your hospital has a chance of survival, and it has a chance of thriving. And so what we're here today to do is to come together to come up with um, the things that we want to see from our hospital, particularly if the hospital is being funded by our taxes and is dependent on our tax money. We want to know we, we want to know how we what kind of things is the community expecting in terms of county. So, what we know from um, an article from the Gallup Independent that was just out over the weekend, is that the county commission will be meeting. And the question on hand related to Rehoboth McKinley Hospital is whether or not they will allow Community Hospital Corporation and the hospital executive leadership to request and receive the fourth mill levy that taxpayers provide to the hospital. So if as all of you know, or as all of you may know, we provide taxes to the hospital and we pay that through a mill levy. There are four mill levies that are available to the hospital, and to this point, the hospital is receiving three of those four mill levies, and they are now asking for the fourth. We also know a couple of other things. We know that the county commission has allowed the hospital to put up that mill levy money, our tax dollars, up as collateral for a $6 million loan that they are currently using to, um, to address some of the financial deficits that the hospital is facing. We also know that the county, um, the, some of the county's perspective, which is good, um, but they have communicated in the paper that they believe that the current situation is due to 12 to 15 years of mismanagement and that it will take some time to um, turn around the culture that got us to this space. What we want to propose to you to, to show to the community today is that we have ample data that demonstrates that, you know, as a physician, I'll put it this way, and I think most of you will understand this analogy, that what's occurring at Rehoboth McKinley Hospital is not a chronic issue that occurred slowly over a 12 to 15 year decline. What we have is a chronic issue, multiple issues that have been occurring over the last 12 to 15 years, but we know that it's an acute issue, that, that specific issues with management over the last two years have acutely worsened the problem. So, if you are if you're a person who has an underlying autoimmune disorder, then you may understand this because you know that you know your health may have suffered over the last 12 to 15 years. But certainly, COVID. If you have got COVID in the last two years, your health may be acutely worse. So, this is the situation that we're in now. So, um, let me just show you some of the data. If you, um, sorry, Dylan, if you could pull up the um, slides now. <laughs> so, some of the data that demonstrates this. Um, this is all. This is a graph that we've been circulating, and it includes public data from the last about 10 years, um, from the hospital, or about 14 years, um, all of which is publicly available. The last two years of information are um, data that we received from public, the public portion of the um, board meetings. So what we know is that the hospital has always sort of, you know, sometimes it does better, sometimes it does worse. There is one year in particular, um, 2011, where there was a $6.8 million loss. And um, I've been talking to some folks who have explained um, some of the reasons for that, what what some of the reasons for that were. But in uh, 2020, the hospital, as reported by the Gallup Independent and as seen in the 990s, experienced over a $5 million surplus and so brought that into the year 2021. the year 2021 was the worst financial year, financial year on the, in the history of the hospital where we lost over $9 million. From January to May, not even including June, the hospital has already lost $10 million and is on track to lose $25 million this year, which is nearly three times as much as we lost last year, which again, as I remind you, was the worst financial year in history. So we have an acute on chronic problem. If you could move so um, you will may some of you may recall also that uh, a survey of employees back in January because we wanted to understand why so many staff were leaving so up to this point what our estimate is is that over 85% of nursing staff have left over the last two years and over 50% if not 60% of um, physician staff permanent physician staff have left and the last time we did this survey we you know it was really it was pr- very informative it was very clear That people had um, left the hospital because they were having, they did not feel comfortable reporting patient safety issues, did not feel comfortable um, reporting, um, reporting um, issues related to their work conditions, and we also came to understand that of all the former employees that had left, uh, two thirds of them said that they were willing to come back to work at the hospital and they still lived locally, and we also came to understand that 75 percent of them said they would not come back unless leadership was different. So we did. Um, so Commissioner Jackson made a, a very wise suggestion that said, you know, there are some leadership changes that will be occurring. So would you be willing to do a six-month follow-up? And so this is what what some of these results are. These are all fairly preliminary. We're hoping to get a few more responses and um, you know clean up the data a little bit. So these. So just a caveat that these are um, preliminary, but I think they are very telling. Um, we had 31 people respond. 13 who were current and 18 were um, former employees. I will say that we did ask everyone, did you answer this survey before and only 30% of, uh, I think it was 30% of the people, or 40% of the people had responded previously. So we actually had a majority of new people responding to this survey. Um, We asked the question of the current employees, do you intend on working for RMCH for the next 12 months? And as you can see, over half of them said that that was not a statement that they could agree with. And that in fact only 15% of them could say with any degree of certainty that they were planning on working at the hospital in 12 months. We also asked everybody who answered their survey, would you recommend working at this company, you know, at RMCH to a colleague or a friend? And the vast majority, a strong 68%, disagreed that they would recommend working there. And as you know, we have recruitment and retention issues, and so this is certainly a very concerning figure. Um, the next slide. Um, Also we asked some of the same questions again and again the majority of folks who um, we asked if they felt comfortable reporting patient safety issues said that they were, the vast majority of them, 70% said that they were uncomfortable or very uncomfortable reporting patient safety or work condition issues related to work conditions. Um, I still think that some of the positive things that we found with the last survey are still true. So if you go to the next slide. The majority of people who answered our survey still live in McKinley County, so we still have a a strong workforce here. Um, And we asked people again, what's the best thing about working at RMCH? What keeps you working here? What will draw you to work here? And the top two answers this time, which were the top two answers the last time, were the same thing. I love working with my coworkers, I love the staff there, and I love working with the community, and I am here to serve patients. So there's a lot here to build on and a lot that we need to capitalize on. But it's very clear that people still are experiencing the same sort of problems that they had before. Um, and you know what I think our concern is, is that we know that the hospital is working on some of these recruitment issues. Put, they've put up big signing bonuses. They've um, started a recruitment program. But the problem is, if we don't have people who believe in the hospital, who believe that they want to stay there, who will recruit their friends and families and colleagues to work there. These are not necessarily measures that are going to work. So anyway, so I just want to I just want to stop my comments there. I know we have a number of um, you know of retired physicians, many long-standing community members, people who depend on the hospital in this here. And so I just want to invite you all to come up to speak your piece about what you think, what your thoughts are about the hospital. Um, and I want everyone to think you know think about this question. We know that the county is considering giving more of our tax money. To the hospital and if that were to happen what are the things that we think should happen that to ensure that there is accountability back to the community that, that oops that the money is being put to good use and that we are actually that we're on a course correction a path to course correction that will um, bring us the hospital that we all need and deserve okay. so anyway um, and I'm also. If anyone has questions, just throw them out. And I think you know, among us, we think we can answer some of those questions as well. So, what brave soul wants to come and speak first? Dr. Bruce Foreman. Dr. Foreman is. Um, a former employee at gimc and has an extensive history in um, hospital executive leadership as chief of staff he built the inpatient unit at chinley hospital and so has um, a fair amount of experience when it comes to hospital management
1: hello (laughs) thank you so yes i am retired from gallup medical center and um, you know i feel like i'm preaching to the choir here this audience uh, and there's not a whole lot I can say in terms of information because I think Connie covered it so well. From my standpoint I mean I don't think there's any question uh, that uh, the the reason that the nursing and physician staff left the hospital was because of the poor management style of the uh, community hospital corporation and I, don't th- I think it's complicated. I don't think they came here with the intent of driving people out. But I think because of the, their heavy-handed <coughs> management style, uh, people left, and I think at this point, we've, the staff and the community has lost trust in the community hospital corporation. So I, in my mind, the hospital's not gonna be able to move forward until they're out of the picture I don't think staff will come back, and I think the survey shows that. And um, I don't think we'll be able to get outside help from the state or from other uh, outside entities if the corporation is still in place and they think that they're giving money that the corporation's just gonna end up getting. So I think it's imperative that they go. Um, <clears throat> I think at this point, uh, if we could somehow encourage the uh, county commission and the hospital board to work together to come up with an arrangement with com- the community hospital corporation to leave uh, through negotiations, through a termination of the lease. But I think that they have to go before we can uh, make progress. And I think at the same time, the hospital board needs to work on a plan for how the hospital is going to run uh, after Community Co- Hospital Corporation is out of the picture. Uh, in the past, uh, the, the, uh, it's my understanding, and talking with people who've been on the board in the past, that uh, we've been able to, to keep the hospital going with a local hospital board uh, physicians, nurses, financial people, business, administrative people, legal people. And I think we have these people in our community. I think the talent is here uh, to to put those people on the board, have a CEO that's under the supervision of the board, which has been a situation which has been reversed with the corporation in place and the CEO screening the board members, uh, candidates. So I think if we could return to the model that has worked in the past uh, with some outside help Possibly from the state, uh, other entities, uh, to, to help with the finances, that we could get the hospital pointed back in the correct direction. And so, uh, my concern, like everybody's, is that the hospital is going to go bankrupt with the current model. I mean, it's hard to see the, that diagram and think otherwise. And patients are going to suffer. Uh, So the thing that encourages me is our community. Uh, The CHAC group has been doing an amazing job to keep these issues uh, uh, so that uh, people can see what's happening. I wish I had uh, a better answer in terms of how to get this thing accomplished, but that's the way I see it.
0: As a former employee of GIMC, um, you know what what impact will this hospital, you know, th- what impact do the problems at this hospital have the potential to have on other facilities in the area, including GIMC, Fort Defiance, Zuni? You
1: know, the, the, I've heard that like 75% of patients at Rehoboth at RMCH are Native American patients. So that's going to be a huge load for GIMC to. T- to Pick up, and so there's that, and then people are going to need to travel and have to have the ability to travel. You know, I worked in Chinle years ago when there was a clinic there before there was a hospital, and I saw the problems you know of a community not having a hospital available. Uh, the patients, you know, some of them didn't make it when you're trying to transfer them to outside hospitals, we didn't have the specialty care that needed there uh, and then the families having to go and visit long distances and just having the gas money so yeah it's gonna have a huge impact.
2: How are y'all doing today my name is Brett Hartline and I live here in the community there's three things that I want to point out to you today first of all look around and this room's not very crowded right at the moment we we have a total of 25 vehicles in our parking lot when this meeting started I drove through RMCH's parking lot, including patients and staff. They have 40 vehicles, 45 maybe, in their parking lot. So there's not very many people in our hospital running our hospital right at the moment. So that's an issue, that's a concern. Second, RMCH has misleaded the public, misleaded the county commissioners, They've not owned up to the situation taking place within the hospital with staffing, air conditioning, elevators, phone systems, you name it. They've said one thing, then they've gone back and said another, and, and then they kind of own up on it, and then they let it go. And then the third thing, <clears throat> excuse me, our county commissioners, they have stood up and in open form, uh, <laughs> Let me go this way. In open forum, they have appeased everything we wanted to hear. We understand what you're saying. We're going to get you board members on the, on the RMCH board. We're, we're going to work with you to see what we can accomplish. We submitted a plan on how we, the community, could run our hospital. And they were like listening to us and, and hearing what we had to say. And then they go into closed session. <laughs> and they go into closed session. They listen to RMCH. They listen to to everything they are misleading the public with, RMC just going in there and misleading our commissioners with. They come out of closed session, they co-sign a loan, they give them mill levy funds, they give them our tax dollars, and they do it with no explanation to any of us here in the community. Has anybody had the commissioners say, hey, this is why we're doing what we're doing? No, because they haven't done it. So what we need from you, everybody in this room, Everybody, we need you tomorrow night at six o'clock. Be at the county commissioner's open meeting. Make your voice heard, make your presence known. That's how we're gonna get their attention. Now, we had a few weeks ago, maybe even two months ago at this point, where RMCH was on the, uh, the agenda at the county commissioner's meeting. We had open forum, we had comments, Then they went into closed session. (laughs) They come out of closed session, and Baca literally says, "Um, uh, let's, let's, uh, I make a nomination to vote on that thing we talked about in the back. (laughs) The nomination got a second, and then it got a vote. (laughs) How is that keeping us informed on what's going on in our hospital, in our community? These are our elected officials. These are people that owe us explanations. They have a responsibility to you and you and you and you and you and me. This is what their job is. This is what they signed up for when they got elected. When they put their name on the ballot, they took an obligation to represent us and our tax dollars. They're not doing that. They are working for CHC right now and CHC is the core of our problem.
3: I always like to start off with a little funny story. I have one every day. People who know me know every day I have a different little story. But this uh, woman had her seven-year-old niece, uh, and she was going through some old boxes of clothes, and uh, she held up some really quite large shorts, and she says, oh, brother, she said, I must have been 183 when I wore these the last time. And the niece looks up at her and says, well, Andy, how old are you now? <laughs> well, you've always got to have a little humor. Now, give you an idea about me, um, uh, I have a 41-year career with the Indian Health Service. Um, most of that was in clinical practice as an internal medicine. Um, I had a successful tenure. In addition to doing that, I also got recruited into management. So, at one time, I supervised uh, an area, had about a $250 million budget, 17 facilities. And the reason I was recruited there is because the area was in deep financial trouble. In fact, uh, it had a $23 million debt uh, that had to be somewhere in the government that's what you do and uh, the American Indian Movement had taken over one of our hospitals at gunpoint and uh, uh, and there was ma- major political fallout and that concerns people in Health and Human Services and so that's how I got recruited there for a two-year assignment. I ended up being there eight years and in the eight years I learned a lot about management uh, I was in several organizations that, where I learned to do health management and um, and actually, uh, when I came in, all seventeen facilities had lost accreditation with the joint commission, so at that time we couldn 't even do third party billing, so we were really losing a lot of money. Um, we implemented a management strategy. Um, It was decisive, but what I would say is, in two years, we had all 17 facilities fully accredited. Uh, We had new management teams at nine of our facilities. And uh, we projected uh, the highest third-party billing rate in the Indian Health Service of any of the areas. And we'd convinced our employees that we were the best health system in the Indian Health Service. I ended up staying there for eight years even though I really wanted to be in clinical practice. I had a wonderful time there, uh, although it's always been a very controversial area to be in, and that is in the Northern Plains. Uh, But my tenure was good, and it wasn't that I was particularly brilliant. I'm not a particularly brilliant guy. Uh, It wasn't because uh, I had an intricate knowledge of management. I did not. These were simple hospitals five of them about the size of, Re- of Rehoboth McKinley Christian Hospital. And, um, you know, it, it just wasn't that hard. And that's what I want to kind of bring to you. And one of the things that I want to also bring to you is the idea that having you here is, is very gratifying to me personally. Uh, because health has always been a passion of mine. And, and the fact that you're here, you know, this interest in this area is, is extremely important. And it's the reason why this hospital will not go down. Now, hospitals can go down. Uh, you know, money isn't just printed. <laughs> you know, you really have to manage, but it, it can be uh, turned around. It doesn't take 10 years to turn something around. It can be turned around in less than a year, basically, if you really figure out what's going on. And it's not so complicated that you can't manage your way out. of But there are strategies you have to use. And uh, so how did I get involved? Basically, I'm retired. I've been retired for five years. I'm enjoying retirement immensely. Um, I like altruism. I'm involved in a number of things I donate to in Albuquerque and here. And uh, I have a garden. And and, and essentially, uh, I kept reading these reports uh, from this group primarily. And I listened to KGLP. I'm on the board of KGLP. Rachel, so nice, as usual, that you're involved. And KGLP is involved in this. And... <clears throat> The, uh, I, I really just wasn't, I thought, oh, this, this will take care of itself. But then when I read about physicians being escorted off the grounds, um, I began to realize that certain bridges were being crossed that even I couldn't put up with. And then I happened to meet, inadvertently, Connie in a at GIMC, because I was getting, I had central antibiotics I was getting for six weeks, and, uh, and uh, she recognized my name and invited me to come to a, a meeting, or to actually have a meeting with her to discuss JAG. And, uh, but I, already my ears were up. There's a problem here. Now, why was it such a big problem for me? Because whenever you have a physician, it gets fired by management. You've bridged a very critical boundary in health care. One of the major tenets of management is that you have an independently functioning medical staff. And that medical staff disciplines itself. It gives out privileges. If the physicians out of order, they discuss it. Believe me, doctors can really get on each other. I've seen it many times. But in fact, management can't just take over a medical staff or fire a doctor because they don't like what they're saying or they apply for a CEO position. Uh, Any firing of a doctor has to be taken to the medical staff and approved. And it has to be a good basis. It has to be something to do with privileging, clinical care, that type of thing. So that got my attention. I'm a doctor and, and I know that I was always able to do what I want to do, practice medicine well, because as long as I wrote the right orders, did the right things, my patients did well, the medical staff liked me. <laughs> and if I did something different than that, they could certainly remove my privileges, but management couldn't, because that's a business side of the organization. So that got my attention. Now, in learning more about the situation, I don't want to go on too long here, uh, I think there's some, some things that, uh, and I wrote an editorial in the newspaper, and I took a few notes during this, I guess the first JAG meeting I've actually come to. And uh, I, uh, uh, where do I think or what needs to be done? Now, let me just say it's simple. Rehoboth is not that big of a hospital. It's not that complex. It can rapidly be turned around. Um, They need to develop a plan to do it. Now, one of the things I did is I did go to the first board meeting um, just, what, a couple of weeks ago, I think. I lose track of time. And uh, at age 75, I can do that. And uh, the, uh, the presentation was just like something I'd never seen before, because I was on boards of hospitals. That's what I went to do, was review hospitals. And they presented a financial report that literally would have caused me to uh, like, um, well, I don't have angina, but I'd probably get pretty anxious and pretty excited. And what they showed was they were losing incredible amounts of money. Now, when I reviewed hospitals, uh, we did a lot of things in my management strategy, but we certainly used to review the budget. <laughs> and we based it on a spending plan. And in the government, you get a certain amount of money, and you develop a spending plan based on that. And then you kind of graph it out. You know, how are you doing at six months, four months, and so on and so forth. And we were always very anxious about that spending plan. Well, in this board meeting I went to, um, they present disastrous figures losses and what they explained was it was probably because of decreased outpatient revenue laboratory revenue and x-ray revenue um, what that indicates is that their providers either aren't ordering tests they don't have patients coming in to see them uh, or uh, they don't have enough providers to order the tests One of the thoughts I had at the time is, you know, I know a lot of people are going to Albuquerque, Grants, and Farmington to see physicians, because they can't get in here. They can't even get through the telephone system to get an appointment. And I'd heard that out in the community. Well, so they present these disastrous figures, and the president of the Board of Trustees really didn't have much to say about it. He said, well, Meeting's over. And then he also said, very clearly, he said, and you're lucky because we're a private 5013C, and we really don't have to have any public meetings. That got my ire. <laughs> but I didn't say anything, because the meeting was over. Um, but that's the kind of thing that where if, The president of the board really cared. He would be all over those figures and all over the CEO about, why are we spending so much money or why aren't we getting more revenue or what are you doing to take care of it because we can't have figures like this. That didn't occur. There was nothing from the board. They went into a closed session. And so it was non-responsiveness of the management team to very disastrous figures. Then I read in the newspaper, that in 2020, the hospital actually had a profit, although it's not-for-profit, uh, of uh, 5.3 million. Now, what that is, if you're a not-for-profit, since you can't say it's a profit, but they did, is you carry it over. Although in the government, you can't do that. You have to turn the money back in. But here, they carried the money over. So if they carried $5.3 million over, And now they're projecting deficits of greater than $10 million. Can you imagine what they're spending at the rate? Way beyond what you could examine, especially since their number of employees is down. They've lost a number of physicians and they've lost nurses. So in my opinion, this is a very troubled facility. The Board of Trustees was not responsive to disastrous figures. The CEO would not really say very much. He was kind of in a corner. And uh, basically, what he did say in response to one question is, what did CERNA cost? He said, and I thought this would be the case. They paid an upfront fee, and then they're paying a monthly fee to use it. But he wouldn't give me the figures. I just wouldn't say. And, and these are signs that things aren't going well and they may not go well. <laughs> and I think you all being here are very indicative that things aren't going well. Now, what, what would I suggest as a remedy? Because you know, I can certainly go on about all the issues. I think you know, the first remedy is to look at it as a community problem. Now, I grew up in a small town in Alamosa, Colorado. And we had an aging physician uh, group when I was in, this would be in 1960, 1958, 1960. And suddenly, we had these doctors from Kansas came out. And it was the first specialist we ever had in the San Luis Valley. We had a pediatrician, an internist, uh, a surgeon, and an obstetrician. And uh, the internist is the one. That really, he examined me one time, this guy was so good, so compassionate, that I decided to become a doctor. And I actually used to follow him around like a little puppy, (laughs) just because I liked him so much. His name was Dr. Sherm Nichols. I asked my father when I was a senior in high school, I said, how did you get those guys here? Because they were quite good. And he said, well, and my dad was a businessman, he said, well, the Alamo, Alamosa National Bank gave them a loan for their house interest-free with nothing down and San Luis Valley Federation of uh, the San Luis Valley Federal Credit Union uh, gave them an interest-free loan with nothing down to build their office building. And so I said, I wonder why, you know, I thought why'd they do that? Well, because it's a community, and they're willing to make that sacrifice to attract good doctors because they knew, know how important it is. It's not just a business. It's, it's, it's what the community does, and so how this hospital is going to succeed or not, you're already there. It's going to succeed because the community's involved, and you're going to make sure it succeeds, but it takes those kinds of actions. Now, what would I recommend? uh first thing is actually in one way i i mentioned to the even considering changing the name of the hospital to a community hospital the gallup mckinley community hospital community hospital secondly make sure that government officials city and county and state realize this hospital needs to be supported if things aren't going well they need to be able to come in for support. It's like funding our schools, like funding education. I've never voted against a bond issue in my life for schools. And when it comes to healthcare, I wouldn't do the same way. Uh, It's that important because if I have a child who's sick, I want to be able to take them to a hospital and get the care they need. And I want the expertise there to do it. It's important. So one, Consider a name change, too. Uh, replace the board of, of trustees. In other words, just change them. And, and replace them with local expertise that's going to get excited when they show a $1.5 million monthly loss of money. Um, or the providers are leaving. You know the, We know these people. We know the doctors that left. That's not gonna happen if you have a local board. It just is not gonna happen. You're, you're gonna want some explanations. And and uh, it, it'd be critical. And you'd wanna know, and if you have a doctor fired, uh, you would wanna know. So, recommendation number two, replace the Board of Trustees with local people only. We got the knowledge to do it. Not that complicated. It's a simple hospital, believe me. Now, the the third thing I would do is review, if the board was new, actually review the contract. Oh, and I, one thing I want to mention about the board. As he mentioned, it's a private 5013C. All I can say is that first I ever heard of that, but dissolve that. We want a public 5013C with a community board of advisors as well as an elected board. And, and, uh, and then you start to have local control and explanations and so on and so forth. But you should not have to. If you've got the right management, it's going to work. The CEO position needs to be put up for advertisement. Now, the current CEO could certainly apply for that position. There would be other candidates that might apply for that position. And they should be considered hire the best person. Then he brings his own staff in. Doesn't require a huge staff. It doesn't require, like, immense numbers of people. Uh, you probably need four uh, lead management people to operate a facility the size of rehoboth McKinley Hospital. You have to have an attorney involved, probably, <laughs> and a human resources director, an administrative director, and you need a, a clinical staff provider, probably be one of the doctors. That's all you need. That's your administrative costs. Uh, You try to make your physicians as efficient as possible, by the way, and and that'd be a a key thing. Now, once you've uh, accomplished that new CEO, perhaps, or the same one working for the board, then you begin to look at the physicians you lost, the providers, and you call them personally and try to bring them back. Because... Uh, they know the community. The community knows them. And if they did a good job as doctors, try to get them back here. And make them part of the community again. And you want them to stay here for 40 years. This, you know, a good physician just gets better as, as they spend more time out in the community seeing the same patients and this type of pathology that we have here. Um, Take too many notes during that meeting. Um, once you've asked the medical staff to come back, make sure they're organized
4: so that they handle their
3: own clinical affairs. They're separate from management. They may be paid by the hospital, or they may not. They could be in private practice. But they independently manage themselves They discipline themselves, they privilege each doctor, and they base it upon the performance of that physician in writing orders and treating patients. Management should have nothing to do with physician staffing, basically, except to recruit doctors. And if that's not the case, what happens is, pretty soon you've got management leaning on doctors to cut costs, or spend more money, or do something, make more money, and uh, because they want to make a profit. And we don't want that. We want doctors to treat patients effectively and efficiently like they're trained to do, and management stay out of the way. And So you shouldn't be reading about doctors being fired by management. This should not happen. OK. Um, outside of those recommendations, Uh, Those are things that I think would be steps that should be taken. Uh, Are there any questions people might have for me at all? Sure. And that's a really good, that's a a good observation. And and you're absolutely correct now. Uh, One of the things that uh, I didn't mention is that uh, I'm definitely opposed to third-party out-of-state contracts. And there's a reason for that. Uh, Third-party, oh, I'm sorry. I bet you guys couldn't hear me very well. Well, like I say, you were lucky. Uh, <laughs> can you hear me better now? OK. Um, what I was going to, uh, uh, I get so used to this, I forget I have it on. Um, the, um, with regard to the third party contracts, this, this is the other thing that kind of got my ire. Um, I couldn't imagine why they would do the same thing they did before with David. Had a third party contract to a firm outside of Texas where David didn't even work for the board, he worked for his company. And so that failed, so then they go to another third party contract with an out of state contractor. So the lead employees don't work technically for the board, uh, they work for the uh, uh, Community Hospital Corporation, which is listed as a nonprofit. But the contract is with community, uh, with the Community Hospital Corporation C, which is consulting, which is for profit. That's a little. That's again kind of the, the smoke and mirrors that we're seeing here. So, what kind of profit are they making? Uh, They have to make a profit. So you've got money flowing out of of RMCH. But we really don't know what the total profits are. And some of the purchases they make might uh, involve uh, monies, discounts, money that goes back to that corporation when you purchase certain equipment. No one can trace that kind of thing. It's just the way business is done in America. Uh, discounts, so on and so forth. and. And so there's no control. Uh, Not only that, there's no responsibility. Because if the CEO works for Community Hospital Corporation, and for a board that's largely picked by them, (coughs) then uh, there's really no way to really hold them accountable. Because it's hard to trace the figures. For example, how could this hospital lose that much money? (laughs) I mean, how? They can't be done. But, and the other thing is we keep dealing with contract agencies out of Texas. Now, why would they be in Texas? Does anyone have any idea why they're out of Texas? Taxes, right. So we take New Mexico money and we're sending it to Texas where they don't pay any tax. I mean, the whole thing just sounds odd to me. You know, as a physician, as a citizen, as a community member, uh, it needs to change. It's simple, it can be changed. And it's not gonna take 10 years to do it. Uh, It can be done in in a very short period of time, actually. Um, But we need some accountability, honest figures. They need money, they need to ask for it. The county and city need to cough it up a little bit, maybe. But whatever it takes, keep our community hospital alive and make sure that the money that we generate there stays in the community. And that's also important. Um, OK. Any other questions? Yeah. Good. Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much. This back
0: here had a hand up.
5: Were you still wanting to
0: speak there? I actually had a question for Dr. Sloan. <laughs> Um, Dr. Song I just wanted to just ask the question, you, um, you know, largely had your career in executive leadership within the um, federal realm, so running IHS facilities and, you know, running those hospital systems. So how different do you think your practice would be in terms, you know, how different is it to run a rural hospital that is um, IHS versus a rural hospital that is a private nonprofit as RMCH?
3: Almost, almost no difference really, when it comes to management, Um, what you expect to see is a spending plan that the hospital develops every fiscal year, usually have that three to six months before the fiscal year starts. You actually, as a board, you approve that. Uh, Then you monitor their expenditures based on that spending plan. And, uh, and you make sure that they don't exceed it. It would be very similar to what you do in, in business. You always have some kind of a budget or a spending plan, and you try to see how you do on that spending plan. And it's based upon salary projections, supplies, just all kinds of things, including upgrading equipment and making sure you pay attention to that. Now, Rehoboth has developed a problem with their equipment, air conditioning, ventilators, whatever. Uh, that they just weren't kept up with. And why? Perhaps because money preferentially was going elsewhere. And that's what happens uh, sometimes if you don't have a local board, local operation. Now, the um, medical staff, Indian Health Service relationship was uh, strictly along Joint Commission guidelines. Medical staffs governed themselves. Um, any hiring of a doctor went through the medical staff any firing of a doctor went through a medical staff, and and uh, and otherwise uh, the medical staff did what they did, and and we listened when they had something to say. Uh, so really, no no big difference. It's it's a it's it's not it's not so complicated. You have to bring in an outside group to manage your facility. It just doesn't have to be that way. There's. Uh, A good CEO you can find, and he will do a great job. He or she would do a terrific job uh, with this community. And if they can get the doctors back, if they can get the nurses back, uh, if they can get less contract providers, uh, that will save them a lot of money, and they'll provide more care. Otherwise, you're going to see the drain. The drain is uh, Cibola and Grants, San Juan in Farmington, Albuquerque, because people will start going there. That's where they go. So the money still goes out of Gallup. It's a big drain for the community.
6: Yeah, thank you, Dr. Sloan. Uh, My name is Rick Cruz. Uh, I also worked with Indian Health Service for... Many years, uh, 1987, what? Oh yeah, 1987 to 2016, you do the math. Um, I uh, when I, was, I have to contradict Terry on one thing. Dr. Sloan uh, said he wasn't brilliant. And uh, I worked alongside him a number of years and felt like he was brilliant most clinically, but more importantly, a people person I think that that and his diligence was probably why uh, things turned around. He probably didn't have to be brilliant there, but um, being a people person, uh, he loved his patients, he cared for his patients so much that he even gave out his phone number uh, to a lot of his patients. And um, um, the point I'm making is that that is so different from uh, Bill McKibben, the I think that's his name, anyway, McKibben, who's the uh, president of the board of directors. And uh, Terry said, we need to replace the board. And I really think that's a key thing, in addition to getting uh, the hospital corporation or community hospital corporation out of there. um, I did some research. I know um, people that worked with McKibben when he was an administrator at University of New Mexico and he's definitely not a people person. He's a control person. He just likes to run things. He doesn't like to have input from other people. Um, I've tried to contact him a number of times to just talk with him, and he's uh, just giving a cold shoulder. Um, and I knew somebody who worked in the group that he worked with at UNM uh, for 25 years, so he knew him pretty well, and he, um ran things on a shoestring Uh, they didn't have a great budget but he also didn't want to listen to anybody they finally let him go um, and that's why he ended up here instead so it's not somebody that was really qualified to be uh, um, the kind of person we would want on a board of directors uh, here so I'm just putting that out there for the county Commission to consider when they're making decisions about who's on the board and then next, I, I have a question for Connie or whoever else wants to answer it, but I've been on vacation and didn't really know. So a number of names have gone to the county commission and suggesting that these are recommendations of who could be on that board. And um, you know, the whole thing about public meetings, um, the uh, Public Meetings Act, that was why the county didn't want to appoint very many people to the board. I don't think they could only account non-voting member appoint non-voting members, or to be subject to the open meetings act. Well, that's what we want, isn't it? <laughs> open meetings. So why not let them appoint some of the people on the board, or all of them? <laughs> I don't care. They're the uh, people that own the hospital. So that's uh, that's my question. What's what's happened with these recommendations?
0: Um, we don't know. <laughs> oh. I, I will. So just so everybody in the room knows that um, that our group did submit a short list of names, people who are certainly qualified, have um, many who have hospital executive experience, um, to the county about seven weeks ago. I think at this point, mm. um, I don't know. Uh, Dr. Cruz, Dr. Sloan were among the folks who were on this list. Um, I don't believe that any of them have um, heard any heard anything from the county. They haven't really communicated a specific timeline or plan for that.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, do we ask them to give us a timeline when they could respond to that? <laughs>
0: that would be that would be ideal.
6: Maybe tomorrow, or yeah. Um, and this is the last thing. Uh, most of what I what uh, Terry recommended is really uh, sounds great to me. I think as a, I have a dream. I think that you know we do have plenty of local talent. Some of the doctors that are interested in possibly being involved with administration. Uh, Connie's convinced me that physician-run hospitals do a better job. You look at the Mayo Clinic and other physician-run places, and it doesn't have to be a physician. It could be even the current CEO, but not under CHC. But like Terry said, advertise a position, see what we could get. But I think that people that have been in that administration, people that got let go, might be qualified, and uh, I I think that those people know enough about this hospital and how it could be run, that we would have a lot better results than what we're getting right now. And that's all I have, unless somebody has a question for me. Speaker up here.
7: Hi, my name is Sandra Gary. I am not a doctor, I'm a social worker. So I have a little bit different perspective on this whole situation, Um, and I have three suggestions. One is no more taxpayer buyout without representation. And that means voting representation on the board. That means um, transparency around uh, management fees and other associated costs or expenditures. I love the idea of having a budget that we could see If we're going to contribute to that budget, then we need to see what our money is going to. Um, And another suggestion that I have is an independent community assessment. Um, I've done these community assessments, and I know RMCHCS has also done community assessments. But um, the report is that those assessments are not I don't know what the word for it is, honest, um, that they're slanted. And so it would be good to have a community assessment and a hospital assessment that was independent. Those are my suggestions, thank you.
0: I um, did want to get back to um, the question about how COVID has impacted um, rural hospitals. Um, I sent out a call to an expert who, says that this is the stand, the answer. So he says this is um this is from Mr. Pim, Tim Putnam who um, has spoken to our group before but he says that there's no standard answer to how covid has really impacted rural facilities but in general one they had more inpatient volume than years prior 34,000 patients are currently hospitalized with covid and rural facilities can provide much of the care necessary so they are getting some of that volume. It's typically not expensive care, but there has been some positive financial benefit. Number two, the government gave grants to facilities for the extra costs to build out. So build out and other costs were mostly covered, and so that was cost neutral. Number three, Medicare prepaid lots of expenses, so hospitals remained solvent. But it was a prepayment, not a gift, so it kept lots of hospitals open that would have closed. I will say that at the last board meeting that Mr. McKernan indicated that we are doing some of those payments back to um, that were given out previously with COVID, but those are monthly payments they're not intended to bankrupt hospitals and those are costs that um, hospitals should absolutely be able to anticipate number four the surgeries and other procedures that were delayed were just postponed most were rescheduled but not cancelled altogether one rural hospital was closing every three weeks before the pandemic um, about 20 a year but at the start of the start of the pandemic, nobody closed, and now it is less than one a month. So the pandemic actually kept many open that could have cl- that would have closed, but it may have just postponed the issue, not solving it. So um, we're we probably going to see that pattern changing in the next year. Or so that was just his his um, kind of academic answer to that question. Yep.
8: J. P. Phillips. Hey, everyone. Too loud, too quiet. Good. All right. So great to see community here. Um, We always keep reminding ourselves. That's what the same guy, Tim Putnam, told us. As long as the community is here and involved, then we have, we're going to stay open. We're going to be able to do this. Um, I I wanted to just speak to what Sandra just mentioned about the independent assessment of the hospital. For those of you who don't know or have forgotten, um, there was a contract that was grant funded to have a third party come in and try to assess how can we repair the relationship between CHC and its employees and and the community because it was such a mess. And um, one week into the new CEO's tenure, he, on the instruction of Don Smithberg, canceled that contract. Um, That was a grant-funded contract, but because they canceled it early, they actually had to pay $150,000 to cancel the contract. So (laughs) that's the direction that we're headed in, and when you see in the newspaper, people like Anthony Dimas say, we just need to give them more time, we're giving them more time to go in that direction of canceling contracts that were there for, to fix the problem at, at the expense of the community, at the expense of taxpayers. I did want to ask, it's been mentioned that the county commission's having a meeting tomorrow night at six. Um, can I have a show of hands of who might, who thinks they might be able to make it tomorrow night? It's pretty good. Please do, please come and, and speak, speak up.
4: I just kind of want to reiterate that we are so happy that you guys are here. It takes the community. It's going to be us that's going to make a difference. So we really want you to keep on being involved. And you guys are awesome here. One um, really important issue that really needs to be pointed out is kind of what everybody is saying is how much the county is involved in this. What happens is that in any, just an example, in any military um, situation, when, you, when you're when you fighting the enemy and you send out a crew of your uh, individuals that have been trained, and if they fail, the worst thing is to send that same group out again, you know. You want to send somebody that's been trained in a different manner um, and may be able to you know, successfully, um, um, you know, fight that enemy. And what's been happening in this situation is that CHC has been failing and failing and failing and failing. And the issue that was posed that um, Dr. Liu had said was, you know, what kind of timeline are we looking at? And the county never responds. We need to demand an answer. It's our tax dollars. I have a house here. I'm paying taxes. And if you guys have a house here, you're paying taxes, and it's those tax dollars that are going to fund these mill levy funds as well. So it's really important that we be assertive about these things and not back down. You guys are going to need health care sooner or later. Your family members are going to need health care uh, need sooner or later so we can make this an excellent healthcare care um, arena if we want so let everybody know let's all be there let's push for these uh, questions that we have
5: you know it seems like the question is how do we get the county commissioners to do the right thing and one suggestion that is from a fairly naive um, financial situation, but obviously we have accountants doing audits, and obviously some of the audits have been kind of skewed or put in a framework that are not really legitimate. So, how about asking for our own audit? As citizens, when, if we vote for, the mill levy, how much would it cost per month for six months to get our own auditor and get that public in the Gallup Independent and everywhere else? I have another question, and that is, how about we have a petition from all the other people that can't come here? There's a lot of people that can't ambulate, that can't get here, and they need health care. How about we present that to the commission and say, look, all of us, plus other people, say this is what we need, and you're not providing it for us. So we want an answer to that. I, yeah.
0: I love it when um, I feel like we have this like hive mind and we're all thinking the same. We actually did do a petition and got over 2,000 signatures and presented that to the county about two months ago. Um, and the asks that we included were you know, the same things we've been asking for for nine months, which is transparency, accountability, and ultimately, we want a, separ- a, um, a separation of our hospital management from this corporation because we believe it's not working. So it's, it's kind of surprising, or maybe not surprising, but we've been asking for the same things all along. And you're right, there are a lot of people who can't be here, um, people who live far away, people who you know, don't have internet access. And um, we were able to gain, get so many of those signatures just you know, being at the flea market for two weekends and then going and asking people to disseminate it to folks who don't normally attend these meetings. So yeah, over 2,000
2: signatures. Another thing you can do, um if you're in your home and uh, you haven't had a chance to sign the petition, call the county commissioners. Call them in their office. Ask for their cell phone number. They will give it out. And you can then call their cell phones and speak with them directly or leave a message. That is another way to get their attention. So if you don't have option for the, the petition and, and basically they seem to have turned a blind eye to it, let's start calling their office. Let's bring it to their attention.
0: And keep in mind, uh, the county manager, attorneys,
3: they're not elected, they're hires.
0: Where is it started? Actually, I can't believe it's 420. We're sort of flying by. Are there are there other folks who want to speak, you know, speak their piece? I mean, this is your tax dollars, this is your hospital. We definitely want to hear from you and we want to hear solutions.
8: Hi, my name is Joyce Graves. And I just want to give that a shout out to the committee who has been working tirelessly for, what, a year, two years, whatever. I'm sure you feel like your wheels are spinning. I come to meetings and and some things are done, and when we had that petition, it's like, yes, we're doing an active part, we're doing something, and then it's ignored. And then, okay, let's do this, and then it's ignored. So I don't know what the solution is, but I applaud you all who are doing this tirelessly please keep it up and know you are supported even though a lot of people don't show up. Thank you. Thank you.
5: I'd like to ask a question because I don't quite understand. We have CHC, a corporation to run the hospital. Can the hospital be run without an overhead corporation? Can can there be administration that Hires the CEO, a financial officer, et cetera.
0: Dr. Sloan can definitely answer that question. Oh, and yeah, Dr. Mesoth, it,
3: yeah. it used to be that way until before Mr. Conejo came. The hospital hired the CEO and the uh, and, uh, C-suite, and, and ran quite well.
8: And maybe
5: that's our message to the commissioners. We don't need a corporation. Yep. I think they're afraid. They think CHC's you know gonna protect them some way
0: I think that is very wise
3: with regard to the uh, contract you know uh, there's a saying a uh, definition of insanity is to continue the, the same behavior and expect different results and you know going to a, one Texas Hospital Corporation that Turned out to be a disaster. Then doing the same thing, um, you know, is uh, <laughs>
7: just counterintuitive. That's all. Thank you. I thought somebody else would ask this question. That's why I'm doing it at the very end here. Um, don't we have new county commissioners? Don't we have two new county commissioners? So, say it again. Oh, okay. So we have to wait. Okay. January. Okay, maybe we need to change that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. My ignorance. City councilor.
0: We will have news um, commissioners for Districts 2 and 3. If um, Some of you may be aware that um, I believe it was the Districts 3 race where the um, ca- Democratic candidate who won the primary actually had to pull out. So the Democratic Party is in the process of, I think, selecting their can- Democratic candidate. But as you know, like typically the Democratic candidate wins, so I think that most people consider the primary to be the most important one um commissioner Baca is about one and a half years into his term um so he is up in, in 2024 just so everybody knows the political landscape oh there are none oh so i'm informed there are no republican challengers so maybe this is the place to stop because i i you know want to respect everyone's time i think we've heard a lot of great um great things i think to summarize i think we all sort of ag- we all agree that this is not a new problem, uh, that that this is not an old problem, that there have been problems at the hospital, but this is certainly an acute problem in the last two years, that um, there are definitely very deep, we agree with the county commissioners that um, there are deep cultural issues that do need to be turned over. Um, We believe strongly, I think collectively as a group, that our tax dollars are being used to help this hospital and as such that the hospital and the, um, that that the hospital does actually have a responsibility to the community. To um, be transparent and to show some accountability. So, I think the main ask from today is to just show up to the county meeting tomorrow at 6 p.m. I know every, everybody is concerned, the county commissioners are certainly concerned, and I think, um, you know, it would be helpful to be able to have a dialogue with them. And so um, we, of course, thank them for being concerned about the hospital, and um, we'll continue to try to be um, facilitators between the community and them. Um, we also, you know, in terms of a couple of other asks that we can go to from the commission and the board of trustees. Um, We can make, we've heard today more than one person say that we are, we need a community board that is, uh, that we need a board of trustees that is from the community, that has skin in the game, that is from the, you know, that um, is invested in the community here. Um, We need to have a plan. So, you know, as Dr. Sloan says, it doesn't have to be that difficult, but you do need to have a plan. When he used to have hospital executives come to him with a, um, with a poor financial outlook, his expectation was that there was a month-by-month plan at least uh, so that um, his, uh, he, so everybody knew what the targets were and knew what direction that they were headed. Um, and then I've heard more than one person also say that we need um, accountability, we need auditors, independent auditors. It's very clear that whatever information we're getting from um, CHC may not, it, you know, we're not headed in the right direction. So it does seem to um, be worth it to have an outside somebody from the outside come to look. And so as JP pointed out, there was a company that was doing that here in February, but their contract was dismissed, and that actually cost what was, ended, what was supposed to be a cost-neutral proposition, and in fact, um, would have probably helped get them hospital money because they were actually helping to write some grants, um, ended up costing the hospital at least $150,000 and the loss of all the grant money that they were writing for. Um, so, but we, that's the kind of company we need. We need somebody to come and independently evaluate the problems at the hospital and provide a roadmap for recovery. So is there anything that I missed? Because I think those are the three main things that I heard. Yeah, OK. So anyway, thank you for coming. If you are not part of our email list, please like, give us our, your email. Um, and stick around and chat. Talk to folks. You know, and um, we'll see you tomorrow at 6 PM, the third floor of the McKinley County
8: Courthouse.